filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster. Freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. All right, ladies and gents, listen. Andrew Patterson joins me. Jeremy Johnson is about to join me. But, uh, Andrew, what are you doing on Saturday, August 26th, around 8 p.m. in the Walpole Mass area? I know what I will be doing that Saturday, and I know what everybody in the Walpole Mass area should be doing that Saturday, but I think you should be the one to officially invite them. Well, everybody, you are invited to see myself and Roscoe P. We are, depending on how you want to do the math, either 40% of drilling threes or 67% of drilling threes, and that's a whole other story. But drilling threes, acoustic, the Cedar House, Walpole Mass, free show, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., three big sets. Andrew Patterson will be there. You can't beat it. And, of course, Man Cook Good, he's on the West Coast. He may or may not simulcast in. We will see. But, by the way, filibuster freestyle, sports jerks are here. But give Drilling Threes a follow, at Drilling Threes, on Instagram, or, hell, on threads if you're doing threads. Andrew, how are you feeling about threads about a month in? Um, can I just say real quick, before we get into my thoughts on threads, do you want to know how excited Alex Verdugo is for the Drilling 3 show? Um, he just homered as we were making the announcement. So Alex Verdugo may or may not be in attendance next Saturday night, August 26th, Walpole Mass, Cedar House. However, the good news is... Just just great timing. I mean, it, if you were not sure if you were going to go to a, to the show, if you're thinking, oh, maybe I want to check it out, knowing Alex Verdugo hit a home run as the announcement was being made, should be the the push you over the edge to go. Well, and it's a perfect segue, by the way. Uh, let me do one thing before the segue, though, which is, Jeremy, are you available? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were getting a pin hammer or something. Okay. So, perfect segue. Verdugo homers, and we're here with the Sports Jerks to talk post-Red Sox trading deadline action. And some of the action is that Alex Verdugo, or the corpse of Alex Verdugo, has woken up and hit a home run. What is the score, Andrew Patterson? Uh, it's one to nothing. Who's the first batter of the game? Was he the first batter? Yeah, he was the first batter of the Yeah, yeah they're in Washington, so lead off yes. homer. Phenomenal. Yes. It doesn't start any better than that. All right. JJ, welcome to the pod. I know that you're entertaining guests tonight on the West Coast, so thank you for making time to talk sports jerks. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. you right in here. Sneaking it right in. And by the way, sneak in a little follow-up at ManCookGood on Instagram while you're at it, too. Uh, guys, when last we spoke publicly on the air here on the Filibuster Freestyle Sports Jerk segment, it was the All-Star break. We were kind of feeling like many things could happen. Any of them could happen for the most part. And I would say the Red Sox action slash non-action of a deadline have kind of left us a month further into the future in a very similar place where this team could lose 70% of their next 44 games, they could win 70%, or they'll probably be about 500. So, I don't know, gun to your head, guys. Uh, Jeremy, let's start with you. What's the most likely to happen? Uh, ham and egg in it, juggernaut, or collapse? Um, I think that they'll uh, continue to play at a slightly over 500 clip, uh, maybe even a little bit better because they've um, improved on the lineup and the pitching uh, and the staff. Sure. Uh, But I don't, you know, I don't see much dramatic in either direction from these guys unless they all give up on the season. Um, They've got 
a lively club. They've got too many young kids to quit. And um, I don't know. I, I think that they're it's pretty much status quo. And in my opinion, that the front office just basically checked, at, you know, to use a poker term, when the bet came around to them, they just knocked on the table and said, you know, we're good. Yeah. We're going to roll with what they got. They did, They could have. It maybe they we could argue maybe probably later if they should have sold, but they did not. The vote of confidence was to take no real action at all. So they're they're continuing to straddle the middle line, and you know whether that's the right course of action or not, time will tell. But I think it, you know if if they you know retain some reasonable level of health, we should expect them to end up finishing maybe like eight or nine or maybe even 10 games over 500 if they can reel off a good week here. This is pretty much it. The next 10 days is going to determine a lot about what comes up here. Interesting timing then. So, Andrew, with these 10 days being in the future still, what's most likely to happen? Um, You know, Jeremy's right. It's going to be matter of if they're healthy if they stay healthy it's a it's a good squad i mean it's a very good squad um i mean i don't know if it's a deep playoff squad i mean i think it's a few games above 500 i think 85 wins at this point is a good season and a reasonable expectation um i don't know that they're going to get much more than that so i you know if you want official prediction i'm going to say whatever that pace that gets them to about 85 wins at the end of the year yeah and Andrew, how good are we feeling about the fact that the Yankees seem to be wasting major years of the primes of their core? We talked about this earlier today on text. It is, to quote a favorite word of ours, delicious. It is delicious. It's delicious. I mean, they are blowing Garrett Cole's prime years. They seem to be blowing Aaron Judge's prime years right now. Um, and they have some contracts that when those guys are past those their prime, that Aaron Judge contract, man, in about four or five years, I think, is going to be what Chris Sale has been to us, but worse. Hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's going back to the rivalry when we were kids. If the Red Sox can't win as long as the Yankees lose, hey, it's a good, it's a good night. And, uh, that's going to be my view on this season. I think going into the next few years, the Red Sox are set up uh, much, much better. F- fantastic. So, Jeremy, before we get into being set up much, much better than the Yankees, is it still in the DNA? Do you still actively root against the Yankees to the point of it's satisfying if we're in fourth place as long as they're in fifth? Yeah, I mean, in a way, their losses often give me more joy than our victories do. Correct. Um, it's just, you know, we've been conditioned through our childhood and young adulthood to, um, be the, you know, it's like a a beaten child syndrome. And now we get our comeuppance whenever we get it. I'm filled with glee that lost to Miami the other day. Five runs in the ninth inning. It brought me so much joy and we won that day. And I was like barely even looking at that. I was just looking at their game story and their box score and just giggling. Uh, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling when they're bad regardless. It's nice to have two favorite teams, right? Whoever's playing the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, 
gives you two chances to win most nights unless you're playing them directly, which is coming up, by the way, in a bit. They've got an interesting stretch coming up. They've got a lot of Astros, some Yankees, some Dodgers. Uh, I believe Mookie Betts will be coming back to Fenway Park, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so lots to play for, like we talked about. But when I think about the Blue Jays, I mean, basically you've got the Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox have found different ways to be where they are in terms of the timing. The Rays came out of the gate real hot. The Orioles somehow said, hold my beer. The Rays have a lot going on right now. What do you guys think the chances are of the Rays completely falling off this last month and a half of the season? Uh, it's there. There's a chance. I, the realistic, How realistic it happens, I don't know. I mean, I think they're in a position the next few days where you're going to see what happens to them. You right, know? Right, well, exactly. I mean, that's such an obvious statement, but you know what I mean. Um, I, I think their season comes down to the next couple of days. Uh, not to look too much into the future, though, because, I mean, you, you have the rest of the season. You have the last, what, month of the season to play out, a little bit more than a month of the season to play out. If you look at all of those ALS, AL East teams, and you didn't mention Baltimore, uh, rightfully, because they are the best team in the division right now yep. and uh, just a juggernaut. Out of those other ALS teams, e- AL East teams, where do you rank the Red Sox season and where do you rank where you think they are at the beginning of, like, where they are going forward? And I would say, you know, you've got two teams that should have, like, at that point, if the, if the Rays fall apart, you have three teams that all should have been much better than the Red Sox, who are maybe marginally better or worse and don't have the same farm system set up and the same flexibility coming up that's coming up for the Red Sox. That um, they do. I mean, I think this was Bloom's year to really set things in motion. I think I, I got to say, I think the Red Sox are set up nice. Whatever happens at the end of this year, got it. JJ, are we set up nice. Yeah, I think I think that the um, the Yankees are on the wrong side of the future, hmm. and the people that want the uh, Bloom administration and the Fenway. Park, uh, the Fenway Sports Group to go quote all in will are on the wrong side of the future. If all you have to do is look at the standings and take a look at the the, um, the luxury cap or you know what are the was it the repeater bonus or the yeah. repeater penalty yeah the the salary structures in Major League Baseball now no longer um, favor or allow the traditional Yankee or um, you know our you know, like early century Red Sox technique of just spending your way out of problems. Look at Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. They're arguably three of the four best teams in the American League. They're all based on um, young talent. They're all based on good drafting, good development, good scouting. Even the Dodgers, who are really a juggernaut, um, they have built what they are by building talent, developing talent from within, and then using that to acquire the right young players for top dollars. Um, so, like, the Yankees are are in the, in, the, are in the wrong position that they've spent a ton of money on guys that are not really in, in their prime or reaching the middle of their prime. And then the Red Sox are sitting here trying to straddle the middle, which shouldn't surprise us based on what we've experienced with these owners and how they always try to you know, put their finger in the air, engage with the public opinion is they never want to piss people off too much, but they never want to go too far in. This is kind of, I think, you know, 
John Henry's a hedge fund manager. Yep. This is the hedge fund squad. We are hedging everywhere, but we have all these assets who are humans, these players that are young, that have a great upside. Yep. And they don't want to let go of the upside, partly because those guys are going to be cheap through arbitration. And you can really, really, it's like having a cheap quarterback, this new quarter, this new NFL model, like right. you have a quarterback right. and a rookie deal, that you can throw all your money at your other positions and surround them with a ton of talent. And then you have a window. But when you've got a, a, an evergreen supply of young talent coming up, you can be like a Tampa Bay or what Baltimore is trying to be or what Toronto is maybe peaking right now. I mean, Toronto's got – their guys are coming into their primes of their careers and they haven't really edged over where they are now. Right. I, I, so we can do that with the money on the back end like the Dodgers. We can fill our guys with young guys, our roster with young guys, and we can build around that and then – in theory, once we're out of salary cap jail and once we're out of this repeater tax stuff, then we can go out and we can, boom, pull the trigger on a starter or on a player that's like, oh, wow, I didn't know we were even in on that. You yeah. Know? Andrew, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, I will two things. One directly related, one indirectly related. I'll go directly related first. I think what Bloom, the most misunderstood part, too, of what Bloom has done is it's not just about acquiring prospects. It's not about drafting well. It is about how much money he as director of baseball operations has invested into their minor league system, how much more they've invested into not just statistical analysis, but into coaching, into changing the coaching philosophy. Okay. So um, I think you're starting to see, say, even some of Dombrowski's guys, maybe their development change and, and go up a little bit, right? Because they've just spent so much more money. It's not just about acquiring guys or having like being lucky enough to draft right all of the time. It's about having a system in your minor leagues. Mm. You know, what's uh, more yeah, and identifying players who are on the scrap heap or are, have fallen out of favor. It's similar to the Patriots with a three cone drill. You, you zig where other people zag. Everyone goes for the 40, but you're looking for spin rate on a down, a, a sloping down breaking pitch and you're like we can work with that and we can make this guy unhittable against lefties right so it is the major league and you develop them it's the major league baseball approach to the bullpen right now and i mean quite quite frankly it's amazing i mean like look at brian brazier goes to the dodgers they say hey we want to teach him a cutter he's given up three he's got like a 1.2 era with them right now learning one pitch. I mean, that's what these teams are doing is they're looking at these guys. They say, okay, who do we think is being misused? Who do we think is not being developed, right? Take a flyer on them. A lot of times it's not going to work out. Gavin and I watched What's-His-Face that they pulled in from Colorado for his one and only appearance in a LeMay, 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 LeMay. Danielson, LeMay. I mean, it doesn't work every time, but sometimes it does. And, I mean... It's, it's great and just, I don't know. Well, you I know what it's kind of like, it's, it's reminiscent of, it sounds like because the salary cap, or no, there's not a salary cap, but because they penalize repeat salary cap, you know, uh, infringements, where you invest your money is is been completely shifted. And if I think about college athletics and, and especially before the NIL thing, it was like, all the money was going into more locker rooms, more video analysts, more whatever, because you couldn't, quote, pay the players or whatever, wink, wink, nod, nod. But the bottom line is where you could make money on the margins is by being smarter or having better coaching or better resources or better development or better nutrition. And when you think to yourself, how the hell are the Rays doing it? It's because they do not ever have the choice 
to pay somebody a lot of money. And by the way, they finally did. Look what happened. Never mind. But the point is um, they have to expend in the coaching and the development because it's the only way they can cycle through enough prospects to get big league ready dudes. And if the Sox, to Jeremy's point, pull a Dodgers East because the Dodgers used to pull a Red Sox West – uh, they have the firepower to do everything you guys just said. But it reminds me a lot of how colleges would do it. You can't pay for free agents because you can't pay them. So you just give yeah. them nice locker rooms and lazy rivers and better training tables because you make it on the margins and you develop people. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Interesting stuff. So we feel good. I guess, JJ, you hit it on the head, and we talked about this during the trading deadline. Uh, sorry, the All-Star, the All-Star game pod. Um, can the owners who are hedge fund guys at heart help themselves and just stay the freak out of the kitchen? They did it once this trading deadline, slow clap, but like, I just, I just, ugh. they, the, the Kung Fu Panda signings, the Adrian Gonzalez signings, they always find a way to screw it up with some public opinion move. Can they help themselves in the next three years so we can get this thing done all the way? I, I think so. I think that they um, that what we have here is enough of the bloom uh, plan mm. bearing fruit. the The bloom doctrine is showing that it could work. So you know, as long as they're in the mix for the wild card and they're they're finishing over five hundred, yeah. people are going to Femway, and there are people out there that are on the radio, uh, not screaming all the time then they feel comfortable allowing this to continue without getting involved and saying, we should sign this guy. We should sign that guy. Because even though we never really find out who's directly responsible for some of these moves, can you remember a single like public relations signing that has gone well ever? I mean, wouldn't you, if you were the person making those decisions one day, be like, you know what? Maybe I should let these guys handle it. I mean, yeah, no, first of all, hundred percent agree. The only one it I can so much money to do it wrong, right? The only one I can think of, if you can even make the argument, because the person was uh, both a public relations but also a, a proven World Series performer, was Kurt Schilling. Um, but I also wouldn't. I don't think I could characterize that as as a strictly public relations signing. I think that was no, well, that was a Theo move, you know. Yeah. Right, that's what I mean. But like, Schilling's the only one that I can say, "Oh, this guy's this guy's been good somewhere else." People know who he is. But the problem for the Red Sox brass has been, oh, people know who this guy is. Yeah, Carl Crawford, and it's like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think part of the problem for the Red Sox ownership the past few years too has been. Uh, asking their GMs or asking their baseball people to do something, having those people do it, and then firing them basically for doing that. Like, go back <laughs> to Ben Sherrington. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, we want it. We want an influx of talent in the youth program. Ben Sherrington. I mean, he he ran a great Red Sox youth development program. That's they true. got impatient. They got rid of him. They bring in Dabrowski. We need you to win a title now. Dabrowski comes in. He wins the title now. Ruins the farm system. They got nothing, uh, nothing coming up in the next few years. They fired Dabrowski. So, I mean, I'm hoping they learn from these mistakes and think, okay, Bloom is really just about where you asked him to do what you need him to do. Now we're entering the time where, all right, we let him prove himself. We're not going to meddle in free agent signings. We're not going to listen to W. Uh, it's not even WEI anymore. We're not going to listen to the Sports Hub. 
this is this is what we asked you to do. Do it. We're not going to fire you before your job is done. If they can hang on and do that, I think there's they're onto something here. Yeah. So JJ, how excited are you? I don't know, man. How excited are you? Like, let's let's take it in two bites. One is how excited are you to see what happens if we can make the playoffs or not. And regardless of that, what's your expectation going to be going into spring training, knowing that you don't know a lot of the moves that are clearly going to happen during the hot stove for the whole league? For spring training, I'm anticipating incremental improvement, um, which is not very sexy, but nothing that has occurred under this administration has been sexy, but we have gotten incremental improvement every year. Mm-hmm. And um, for and I'm fine with that. I just want my guys to have a plan, and I want to have that plan to make sense, and I want it to be sustainable. And it all appears to be occurring, so I'm on board. Let's keep getting better. Let's keep bringing up the kids. Let's keep you know. Let's let's keep playing out the Bloom Doctrine in terms of the rest of this season. Um, I mean, really, the answer is ask me on you know September first, but um, like. This team played really well against um, good teams and rivals for the most part. Mm. And if we come out, I mean, what do we got? We got three with Washington, three with New York, four Houston, three Dodgers, three Houston. So if we come out of that 13-game stretch with some some good impact wins and over 500, um, I'm like... I'm, I'm going to go check the oil on the duck boats, you know, like no, it wouldn't be accurate. It wouldn't be accurate. I'd be, I'd be over enthusiastic, but I'd be like, Let, let's go baby. I'd be overusing the let's go text. If we come out like yeah. eight and five after that run, like, Hey, that's a playoff mm-hmm. run. You could argue yeah. like, okay, you got the Yankees in the wild card in theory. You got Houston in the DS. You got a team on the Dodgers quality in the um, ALCS and like, if yeah. you got another three-game series in Houston, like that's a playoff run, in my opinion. New York might be crap, but they're still over five hundred. Yeah, and they're still the Yankees. Yep, it's still in Yankee Stadium too. Yeah, throw the so, records out. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, thirteen games, like you know, it's, win eight of them, win nine of them, and you know, you won seven of them, and let's talk, baby. We're in, we're in the mix. Yeah, Andrew, yeah. you tend to agree with that. Uh, 100%. I mean, for me, it feels like, I mean, just for the, the this year answer, playoffs are now, right? And how fun is that? Okay. Right. Like, you we get, playoffs we get a yeah. month of playoffs. Yep. We have a month of playoffs. That's really fun. So, uh, you will be getting texts from me. Like I effing love these guys and these guys are the effing best. And then, you know, two days later, you'll get him get a text from me. Like what the F who is like, you know, they break my heart. Uh, it's going to be fun. So that's it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to keep in mind we should be happy with – at this point, I think we should be happy with the season unless they absolutely chicken and beer crater it, right? Mm. So whatever happens over the next course of the month, unless they absolutely crater, this has been a successful season. I'm more excited for for next year than maybe Jeremy is. I think there's going to be a starting pitcher coming our way. Maybe there's going to be uh, some different improvements to that pitching staff, which I think will be huge for next year. Sounds good. And how many years does Sale have left on this never-ending trillion-dollar deal? Two? After this year? Uh, I think it's 24, and then he's done. Whew, that would be nice. I think. Don't quote me on that, and I don't have... I can look it up. I'll look it up. Unless we can get the, we can get the crack research team crack on Crack research that. team. Why would I look it up? I can get the crack research team. Yeah, right. 
but I think it's 24. No, I'm there might be a club option for 25. I, that's what I'm remembering is it's 24 and some option for 25. Well, Again, I've, I've been wrong on less. You have been wrong on less, but Sport Track, fake, fake sponsor of the week, Sport Track. Yeah, no, he's uh, got a club, yeah, club option for 25 at 20 yeah, million. They're not going to exercise that. No, and well, the good so news is he's essentially pay- pitching for his job next season on twenty-seven million, twenty-seven-five. Yeah, and you know he's either going to give you that and you're going to let him walk, or he's going to give you that and and honestly, twenty he's, million short money on the bottom line. But he'll be thirty-six years old; they're not going to pick it up. Uh, no, I can live with that because that's that, yeah. that's a tough albatross right there. And I'll, I'll look at some of the other bad tr- contracts while we're here. JJ, um, would you pick up sales option? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do it right now. You know, <laughs> he had a good start. Let's get him. If you if you look at them going forward in like 2024, for instance, they've got um, you know Sale, Devers, and Story are all over 20 million. Yep. Um, Masataka is at 18. Kenley Jansen's at 16. Okay. If then you speak, and there's a, there's a few other guys that have guaranteed deals that are. Um, you know, Corey Kluber's an albatross, but okay. Yeah, but he's done after um, this yeah. year, it looks like, right? But let's, yes. just, let's just go down to pre-arbitration. Cassis, Winkowski, Connor Wong, Bayo, Carter Crawford, Jaron Duran, Taron Houck, yeah. uh, big old Bobby D. So many of these guys Meyer, are on two ways, too. I mean, like... Um, Pavetta, like, yeah. there's a lot of guys on that list. Yeah, I mean, so many guys who are playing right now are in, like, pre-arbitration. It's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a, um, a estimated payroll of 159 for 2024, with a around 77 million dollars in space on the, um, the competitive balance tax. Yeah, 77 million dollars for next year's roster. So what that means is we are finally out of the the overspend um, Olympics that we. Yeah, spent salary cap hell is coming to an end. I mean, trying to get it, out of it. It really Correct. is. It's coming to a hell as I look at this. And it's, I mean, the Sox were like the 15th or 13th highest payroll this year, which is a wild thing for the Red Sox to be the 13th payroll. And so when you think about it that way, and you're like, here's a team that might win 85, might win 85 games or so in the best division in baseball with the 13th highest payroll, and they're going to roll most of it off next, a lot of it off. You know, I would shuffle papers too if I were the person shuffling papers. I'd be that excited. <laughs> yeah, I just I do not understand why everybody who is on this get rid of Bloom now train. I don't understand. I understand no, I, I know exactly why it is. It's because people in general are stupid and short sighted. You know, like yeah, you've yeah. you've done the painful part, and it's working to Jerry's point earlier. Right. So you've already done the worst part if you just stay the course at this point, like. And, and if that is the worst part, it has not. I mean, you were playoffs in twenty. Yeah, twenty one. We had a great time. Kike Hernandez was the best run. player in America for for at a week. least in the chase in twenty three. I, I think I, I think the low part and in, in the one thing that I still think Bloom really screwed up is last year's trade deadline and not getting under the luxury tax. But sure, they should have done something it. there. That's yeah. not a, if that was going to be a fireable offense. That was fireable at the end of last year. And right. It wasn't. We're sticking with them. I, I have a lot of faith where this is going. That's fair. And that could have been that could have been an ownership meddling and why he's still got a job because um, messing up last year's trade deadline and then letting all those guys walk for no return that's does peak. not sound like yeah that's peak hedge fund uh, guy. guy 
yeah, it doesn't sound like a guy that came from the Rays enacting their economic things, you know, and then, you know, like, I'm looking at this year, and I'm like, we're doing it again with Paxton, but, like, that's like, all right, hey, you know what, we've got a pretty lively bunch, let's throw the guys a bone, maybe we build some new fans, because that's what every playoff run does. Yeah, I think that's... 2021 playoff run and how many college students are flooding Fenway Park, you know what those kids do now? They're in their 20s. They're getting jobs. They're wearing Red Sox hat. They're going to Fenway whenever they can. They're fans now. Yeah. And that's what playoff runs do. They get people fired up and they get them juiced up and they remember that. And that's what they draw on when the team is kind of garbage, you know? True. And I think they also learned last year at the tread deadline uh, how upset the team was. The guys in the clubhouse were with how they handled it, right? Um they weren't idiots. They were upset that you traded Vasquez, who was one of their best friends, and then kept on to all of them without improving the team really meaningfully. Um, and so I think this year, that's why they sat. That's why they didn't sell. That's why they didn't. They weren't going to buy, but I don't think they were going to sell. I think no, you don't want to be a team. But you don't want to be a team. Here's the thing, right? And I understand. I, I get what you're about to say. I know what you're about to say. But you also don't want to be a franchise that people say, our guys around baseball say, they're never going to buy you. They're, you're going to have to be dominant from the start. They're not going to support you at a trade deadline. Like guys aren't going to want to go to that situation. They're just I not. Don't, I don't really think. I, I think that guys are going to want to go where they're offered money. They, that and is true. Th- I think that this like hearts and minds campaign with the players in the clubhouse and like how Bloom learned from last year and how they were all mad at him and like. I think it's just a bunch of garbage. I think it's like, it's a situation where, like, the guys last year were, were old and overpaid and grumpy, and um, they're they're all gone now, okay? Right. All those yeah. guys, that they're, they're all gone. I mean, it doesn't gone. mean you so can't like, learn a lesson. How are we? Sure, but, like, we're learning a lesson from it, and then we're like, all right, let, let's get down to brass tacks. Connor Wong is better than Christian Vasquez. And he now, last cost season, like he 10% not. of what he – sure, but like last season, we all knew that they weren't good enough last season too. We're just wishful thinking. You know, as a fan, you're like, I hope that these guys make a stupid decision and give me another eight weeks of entertainment. <laughs> but like in reality, it's like I'm also going to kill you for making a stupid decision because you only gave me eight weeks more of entertainment, maybe – like, would you trade 2021 for, like, you know, like three more studs coming out of the minor league system next year? No, I don't, I, mean, know. Like, I don't know if I would, but do I want to do that every year? No, no I, I want them to have studs coming up all the time, and I want them to make what the best decision for the baseball team and the baseball franchise and hey. not listen to players, not listen to fans. I, 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 to an extent, I, I think that's understandable, I, and I think it makes sense. I do think there is a human element to all of this. I mean, you you have a manager who – a player's manager. I mean, that's what he's known for at this point. I think that's what's keeping him mostly employed, but I think he's fine. Um, you, you hire managers. You hire managers who can manage a clubhouse, who can, who can develop relationships with guys, who can hold them accountable. Um, I, I do think you do need to keep – some sort of a how is this going to play in the clubhouse in mind as a general manager. You don't need to keep it wor- worry about the fans. You do need to worry about, hey, the guys who are going to be your core moving forward. Maybe not the guys who you're going to let walk at the end of the year. 
I think it's all the more reason to have like a a cold-blooded MFer in the front office is because you have such a player-friendly manager. And Alex can tell you, like, hey, boys, this is how it is. And those guys yeah. are going to listen to him. And, th- like, I was reading stories about how Bloom learned from last year, and he's been going down to the clubhouse more and talking to the players more. It's like, nah, dude, get upstairs, man. Like, make your decisions and live and die by your choices. Don't be, like, like placating a guy who's going to be gone in the near future anyway. Like, like Verdugo threw a temper tantrum, like, Kick rocks, Alex. Like you're like you, you had a good, a good half season. You were bummed out you didn't make the All Star team, and now you're sad. You got a sad on because you didn't like yeah. you know you weren't like untouchable at the trade deadline. Like what are we talking about, dude? Like I this think, is what you are. I mean, it is. I, I think the article we might we might have read some similar articles. I wish I could give right credit where it talked about. Um, Bloom took criticism from players that he was not accessible to their questions. Whether he should be or not, I mean, that's a long debate, I guess, but I don't have a problem with it. If he wants to go down there because players said to him, hey, we felt like you weren't accessible or you weren't there to answer questions, whether or not they're being prima donnas, all right, go down there. That's part of your gig now. That's part of your job. Go play cribbage with them, but once you tell them the truth, they're going to be sad. <laughs> and they're going to get a sad on to the media, and they're going to say today. things. They're going to yeah. say things to the media that you can't say because you are the president of baseball operations for the GD Boston Red Sox, and you don't reveal your cards. Your cards are kept close to your chest, and you don't go popping off to the media every time you know you're disappointed in somebody's actions or their words. Like you have to like be the president. And these guys were like, oh, you know, um, hey, Rob Bradford, come on over here. Like, let's have a little chat about why I'm disappointed in the president of the Boston Red Sox. Like, dude, just play right field, okay? Be better at playing right field, (laughs) run out your ground balls, and show up to the ballpark on time. And everything's going to work out because if you do all that stuff, you're going to stay with the team or you're going to be traded to a team that wants you and will probably pay you even more money. Yeah, well, I would say – the one thing I would say in in these guys that are coming up, Brian Bale, you know, Cassis, certainly Duran. I've done a 180 on Duran from last year, but I think he's done a 180, frankly, to earn that. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that you've never heard of and then they make it with your team, like those are the guys, back to Jeremy's point, about you know, college kids fall in love with playoff runs. Little kids fall in love with guys that they can root for for the majority of their childhood. And if if I got to take the mercenary route or the, the homegrown route, or obviously there's, it's going to be a happy medium, it's, it just means a little bit more when, when you've been like rooting for Cassis since he broke out. So I love it, and I agree. The one thing I'd say is, yeah, if you're a veteran ball club and you're going to get B-hurt about – not making the all-star team or whatever, or you're going to chicken and beer it or anywhere in between like that's, that's not professional. So get out of town. Um, but I, I, it just means more with the kids. So I, I love, I love to see what I'm seeing from these homegrown dudes. And if we can do that every year and then sprinkle in a dude without blowing up the entire farm, farm system to do it. I mean, I know every team's trying to do that, but the Sox have the friggin' power to do that. That'd be wonderful. Just have a chance to be well, in the now, hunt four years out of five every year. Now what you do, and I know we're up against the clock, but now what you do is you take some of that $77 million and you go the Evan Longoria route or the Freddie Freeman route 
and you pay these arbitration-eligible young Early. studs now. Andrew and, and I were just talking about that last week. Yes. And it looks like a great deal in five years. Yes. You've got them all locked up, and you don't have to piss them off every, you know, every and week. they're happy. You go to arbitration. Exactly. And they can, like, buy a house, and they can, like, get married and send their kids to school and know this is where I am. I'm a Red Sox player. And the fans percent. can be like, I'm going to go and buy a jersey because this guy is here with Devers for the next five years, yeah. six years. I mean, Andrew, you and I talk about this in the way home. The wind anymore. Yeah, we, we did talk about this on the way home. But the one thing that I worry about with this that I don't think people pay enough attention to with in Atlanta, who has done this very well, is a lot of those guys took – Discounts. Right. Uh, I think a lot of those guys signed and probably could have held on for a couple of years. Whatever Atlanta did, however, they're, maybe it's how they're running their clubhouse. I don't know that agents are going to keep letting this go on. Mm. I think at some point, like, it's, it's, a, it's a decision. You're like, hey, I can make 700 grand next year and 1.2 next year and 8.6 the year after that. And then, um, you know, I'll be eligible for my big contract and then I'll make 30 or whatever. Oh, no, I think all of it. 20 million a year for the next five years and I make 100 million bucks instead of making a million bucks and maybe making 100 million. Yeah, no, it all makes sense. I just think Atlanta was able to do it. Everything I've seen about Atlanta was they were able to do it under market on almost all of those guys they did it with. And just the expectation for every for other teams to be do that with everybody uh, is maybe not right. so realistic. Sure. I do like, think you're more likely to be able to do it yeah. if the guys yeah. all came up together. Right. But oh, I think were... I think a lot of teams are going to be trying to do that. I think that's what well, you're going to be seeing. It's a smart move then because, I mean, the, yeah. the Red Sox former method of let's piss off every superstar for a year and a half and then let Correct. them walk. Um, that sucked. Yeah. That sucked. Actually, okay. you're not that great of a Correct. hitter against left-handers. Oh, but, thanks. Yeah, so we're going to bottom drawer you on this arbitration uh, argument. Oh, cool. That's great. Hey, you want to say an extension? No. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's, it's like I thought it wasn't any good. And here's the other thing: if I offer you an early arbitration and your agent or you say no, we want to test the waters, then it's on you. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, hey, we're going to try to slam you uh, to lowball you, and then if you don't sign, we're going to slam you on your way out of town, like we've been doing for a hundred years, and then you know that sucks. So yeah, exactly. Like at least try it with the guys. Like, it would have been nice. Listen, the Xander thing looks better and better every day. I get it. But, like, did he have to be pissed off for a year and a half? No. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I, think that's you, it. I just, just think we want to temper our yeah. Yeah, you trade him. yeah, you trade yeah, him. Trade exactly. Him. So you, you trade, trade him. him. I think we don't sign the extension offer. Then you know where you stand with them. Yeah, you trade him. And then him. you can exactly. make decisions that are in the best interest of the franchise. 100%. Okay, yeah. JJ, you've got a meal to cook, so I'm gonna. I think we got it all figured I, out. Guys. I think so. We just fixed everything, guys. You're welcome. Send us you're listening. To uh, so, man, cook good. Andrew Patterson, guys, it's yeah. great to do this. We let's see, let's see where we are at the end of these 13, 13, 14 games. I mean, as we approach the eighty win potential mark, there's a lot to potentially celebrate, both externally and internally. And so, let's check back in in a bit after this uh, thirteen game swing. And uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. JJ, enjoy the meal tonight with friends. Andrew, enjoy whatever you're going to do. And I'm going to go upstairs and eat some chicken parm. You taste so good. Thanks, everybody, for listening.